1: Hey, welcome to the 248th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Meredith Bragg and James Flores, both of whom we saw at our Holiday
2: Mixer. Super fun. Hey, thanks for coming, guys. I'm Matt Unlo. And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we have our annual end-of-the-year panel where we discuss what we think about this past year, what we're looking forward to in the next year, and we Brought back our same guests from last year Carlin Hudson, Roxy Shee And Tim Nakashi I'm so glad that we decided to pod together All the way back in March So that we could all
1: have this live show together It's been really nice to see everybody And uh, celebrate New Year's together
2: Yeah, it's been real fun To uh, leave my family And just spend it with these other filmmakers That are anxious and nervous 24-7 is the
1: commitment to the craft That I really appreciate about with you
2: Yeah. Um, we will say Tim joined us from his parents' home in Florida and unfortunately the internet connection was not sustainable. So he is not dropping his wisdom this time, but we will have him on again very soon to get his perspective on the year and next year, because it sounded like he had some very poignant, interesting things to say that unfortunately we could not hear. Yeah. Such a, uh, it's always a treat to talk to everybody. Um, And yet, it was a bummer to not be able to hear
1: some of the great things that Tim had to say. But we did get into some really good stuff. You know, obviously, 2020 was a year full of surprises for everyone. You know, Roxy and Carlin had pretty good years and also really introspective years and also really difficult years just like i think probably everybody it's easy to kind of look at the silver lining if you're on a podcast and it's also easy to kind of wallow a little bit for lack of a better word and so i think we kind of get into all of it but i think that there are some very clear actionable methodologies that everyone has used to pivot to grow to look inside to
2: refocus and so it's a really good episode yeah. Roxy gives me actually some really good advice somewhere around the middle of the episode as I'm complaining about career sustainability and where what I want to do in the future. And so I think- Count, count on Roxy to keep it real. I think this episode is worth listening to just for that, or at least it was for me. I, I also do want to do a quick shout out to everyone that is our patron that came to the Holiday Mixer we just had last week. It was really cool. We got to hang out. We chatted. We got to get to know the listeners, the patrons that were listeners. So, thanks everyone for coming to that. We hope you liked it. We'd love to hear from you. If you're listening now, uh, what you thought, if you have any suggestions on doing it again, on doing it differently, on what you liked, what you didn't like. Yeah, certainly. There's room for improvement. And
1: uh, it was really fun. I think it was a nice antidote to missing our live shows so much. But as soon as that vaccine drops, yeah. live shows just nonstop.
2: Yeah. It's all, I mean, I know or, everyone. Or it,
1: probably twice a year. Probably twice a year, really. I think it's
2: the number one thing on everyone's list of after COVID is over is to attend a Just Shoot It live show. <laughs> so I'm excited. Um, uh, genuinely, though, I think that I have missed the
1: events like the ones that we throw where you get to meet people, you get to hang out, you get to kind of see some old friends, bring some friends with you, make some new ones. I think that that is a thing that uh, is hard to replicate in the COVID era. So um, it was really nice to have something sort of close.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of Patreon, I do believe this episode is coming out on December 31st, the final day of the year. And if you are a filmmaker and you're looking for various things to write off against your filmmaking income, I personally am not a lawyer. I'm not an accountant. Don't take my advice. (laughs) Uh, But what I think... We are not a nonprofit. We are not a nonprofit, but we are a film education service. That if you sure, paid sure, for Masterclass true. and you watched, you know, Ron Howard talk about filmmaking, I'm pretty sure you could write that off as education. I mean, don't tell anyone, but I write off Netflix as education. So, I write it off as research, which is slightly different. But same difference. You, this could be research, too. Yeah, research is like when you travel, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to Fiji for uh, research. I'm writing a script yeah, I about I might Fiji. write a movie about Fiji. About water. They're mermaids. But yeah, so uh, if you do want to find a dollar, $4, $10 to write off, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. If you join at the $10 level, we will mail you an awesome just shoot it podcast hat. And it says just shoot it really big and then podcast really small. So don't worry. I don't think you'll look like a billboard for our podcast, but you will look like someone that either is a filmmaker or loves guns so Ooh, gross win-lose <laughs> situation <laughs> yeah, yeah. or win-win or lose-lose yeah. depending on yeah. what state you live in but uh yeah, yeah. but yes so check it out patreon.com slash just shoot it pod and thank you for tuning in all these years we're going into our sixth year of the podcast next year yeah yeah sixth calendar year we're getting old <laughs> oh boy i just graduated in high school
1: when we started this remember i can't wait to learn something Um, Well, speaking of learning things, I think we'll learn something from Carlin and Roxy. So let's hop into it.
2: Hey, folks, we're interrupting this incredible episode of the podcast to tell you about a new sponsor that we're working with, Front Row Insurance Brokers. One of the challenges of being a filmmaker is that there's a lot of risks that we take and we really just want to focus on making good stuff. So what if there was a company that could take those risks, manage them for us while we are being artists? That's right. Front Row Insurance
1: Brokers arranges film production insurance to cover the risks associated with your production. They cover features, TV shows, documentaries, commercials, music videos, webisodes episodes, basically anything you can watch on big, media or phone-sized screens.
2: Yeah, Front Row will help you focus on your artistic vision by transferring all the risks to them and minimizing your production hazards. And they cover any budget from $2,000 all the way up to $200 million. There's nothing that's too small or too big. If you are shooting in Canada, use coupon code JUSTSHOOTIT50OFF for 50 bucks
1: off your film production insurance. That's promo code JUSTSHOOTIT50OFF to save
2: 50 bucks. And if you're shooting in the US, that same code can be redeemed offline by mentioning it to a broker, by email, or over the phone. It's like a cool password if you're in the U.S. That's Just Shoot It 50 off. Check them out. Let us know how it goes.
1: Well, welcome, guys. We thought that uh, this would be a great uh, opportunity to catch up with all of you, some of our very favorite previous guests. And also, it's no coincidence that you were all on this panel last year. When we recorded in November, we thought, oh, boy, the future looks bright and, and shiny. And in some ways we were right, but I think there's a lot of uh, insight and introspection and reflection and what a wonderful group to reflect with. So we thought we'd kind of give everybody a quick update on where we are in 2020, and then we can kind of jump into the ways that it's affected our filmmaking career and then maybe even the future. So I'll kick it off. I was lucky. I got a feature produced right before things went into lockdown, which is insanely lucky. Like I think we wrapped like like the first weekend in March. Something stupid lucky. Uh, and I've been writing about you. I've got a new feature that I'm excited for. So a little bit of the past and a little bit of the future. Uh Carlin, what you got?
3: Well, since last year's episode, um, that South by Southwest short that I was like psyched to go to Austin with, well, that's online. That's online now. That's cool. Uh that happened. That was fun to be part of the first chip to fall <laughs> in the COVID wave. <laughs> but actually I think that more people saw it than might have seen it otherwise. So that's an upside. I attached cast to a film of mine that I've been writing for a while and developing. Yes. And then I, and then some of y'all know this, but I, I did get a job. I'm, I'm going to be adapting a book into a feature for Netflix. <gasps> Very Thanks exciting. So that recently happened. I wish I'd ah!
2: read a book. That, that, that i could well, i only
3: read when they ask um, me if i would like to make money sure. adapting it you know otherwise i don't read when
2: you're so. getting paid and you <laughs> yeah, also got sure, new commercial sure. reps that have already gotten your jobs
3: well i'm not signed with them yet
2: oh well you're working with them it's i'm hip pocket
3: but i'm working with them i booked a klondike job recently that then went away and that's life you know and that's the biz
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: we we will get into that for sure. But uh, when people were like, what's hip pocketing? That, that's textbook right there. Carlin's booked a couple jobs with these people. They put her up for things, but like, she's not on the website. Let's make it real in 2021. We'll get to it. Uh, Roxy, tell us what you got going. What was your 2020 like? Uh,
0: before the world shut down in March, I was able to squeeze in a short film called Invisible Brown Man, which I did with my friend Protest Shaw, And that was really fun. And then I was supposed to have another short film happening in Indiana and in a feature that was going to be shooting in LA. And then everything got pushed and canceled. And then after that, I got a job with Crypt TV and I was able to shoot this uh, Facebook Watch series in utah in around um august and september so i did that for two months then i came back and then i did the movie that was supposed to go in april so i just wrapped that and then i'm just excited to look forward to next year because if there's anything that this year has taught us it has taught us that we're resilient and adaptable so despite how crazy everything is i'm still very positive about where things are going
2: right so you you did a whole series and a feature during COVID.
0: I had, you know how last year I was like, yeah, I had like a week and a half between these two projects. Well, this year I wrapped and I had seven days. <laughs> um, it was interesting. I was thinking about this panel that we had last year and I was like, oh, I was talking about how, you know, these two things were back to back in fourth quarter. And again, sort of the same thing happened again. It was sort of like a repeat of last year in terms of, like activity but it was a challenge being like well how can you you know level up from what you did last year so it was a nice challenge despite being in lockdown for six months
2: and roxy you started a podcast too right
0: i did start a podcast called two horny goats <laughs> So let me do that shout out yeah. or i appreciate it thank you much love
2: kaplan what you got buddy i had a pretty good year overall i mean it was weird p- from a personal point of view just being with my family and my dogs like every single day pretty much for this entire year is crazy. But, um, work-wise, I kind of pivoted at the beginning of the pandemic to try to do way more VFX stuff. That's when we had and Deming on the, uh, from Barnstorm VFX. And I was like, I got to make my VFX real. I'm g- going to be like at this post guy now. And then slowly as things started opening up, I was getting like more commercial work and I ended up shooting like a good amount of things, you know, kind of, uh, remotely and in person, and also kind of pivot trying to learn some new skills so i learned blender and i bought a camera last year on this panel i said i wanted to make like a bunch of short films in 2020 i made i made a bunch of little like dumb videos you know that, that i put on instagram that are like 30 seconds long i did not make a short film but i bought a camera and a gimbal and some audio equipment so i feel like i'm one step closer to actually doing something
1: well look look before we jump into the conversation i think it's also so funny to think about how we've invited such an incredibly positive forceful powerful group of people onto this podcast and it's wonderful to hear about everyone's successes but i think it is important to if you were at home and you're like uh boy like i haven't shot a feature or a series or commercials or whatever don't sweat it because we are Kind of, I, would, I don't want to say we're glossing over that, but everybody had a hard year and we're really, we're all about focusing on the positive and, you know, we'll talk more about the introspection that this year brought, but like, it's not all sunshine and roses for all of us, for sure. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think that's probably pretty true. So, you know, we're here to, uh, support each other and support the filmmaking community, but that's a thing to remember as well, that like it's, it was ups and downs for everybody in a pretty significant way. So we're going to take that silver lining wherever we can find it and figure out how to make 2021 even better.
0: (laughs) Amen.
2: Yeah, the hindsight, it's easy to summarize nine months in three sentences, but I think there was a lot of panic (laughs) during a lot of those.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like, I was like uh, staring at the ceiling for uh, six of those months, probably, you know. (laughs) So we pivoted in ways that we maybe weren't anticipating. But I'm curious to hear about Roxy and Carlin, because you two had to pivot in ways that probably no one is aware of even though you're still kind of checking off those boxes of things that like, if you listen back to the episode last year from last year, it seems consistent, right? But I, I'm curious about what things surprised you about reaching the goals that you were originally setting out for in 2020.
3: God, I can't even remember what I was <laughs> setting out to do.
1: You wanted to write, you wanted to write movies. Oh, shit,
3: damn, I guess I'm doing it.
1: <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. I think that both of you two – or Or and Tim and I like pivoted a little bit more but I think you two were like, I'm gonna make these movies and then you started to or or did right um, but 2020 um, still changed those they flipped the script on on you in ways that I think could be interesting to talk about a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. Well I think that um, something that I had a breakthrough in regards to my career this year was I'm we're forced to not constantly chase we're forced to not have to hustle all the time or looking for that next big thing, you know? So I think the the forced confinement allowed me to, and then, you know, I got an Emmy nomination this year, which was really crazy. And then like all this stuff, but then, you know, us not being able to have all the glitz and glamour and not being able to dress up the red carpet and seeing Sandra Oh, you know, recording from her room with like a backdrop, you know, it just made, us, made me realize how much the same everything is. Like not blowing up, a recognition aspect of something, you know, like not being not having to be validated at such a grand scale, like at the end of the day, these are just events. And these are just things. And they're all just temporary. So it totally recalibrated, like what I wanted for myself. And I just said, you know what, as long as I get paid proper money to do what my talent is worth too, if I get to work with people that I really like, and I vibe off of that, that is enough for me. So then I think like, when this crypt job came along, I was like super thankful and it was like the biggest budget narrative thing that I've ever gotten. I was like, whoa, you know, like this is so totally awesome. But the old me would have felt like, you know, maybe there were too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, maybe there were it, I was struggling creatively, but I've let all of that
1: It's more of a traditional TV experience than an indie film experience, right? Where you were the number one captain, where now it's like there's EPs, there's a network. There's
0: Facebook, there's Crypt, and there's like, you know, five producers from each. And then I was just like, well, you know what? Did I get what I wanted? Did I get a a, a great fee? Yes. Did I, am I working with people that I really liked that they give me autonomy on that? Yes. You know, and then I just said, you know what? I'm going to get you what you need. I'm going to enjoy the process and it's just going to give me more stuff and then like it's been it's been really interesting i think this year has taught us a lot and the producers i've been working with before like the mindset has changed a little bit ppe and covid protocols have definitely shifted the way that we made films you know like before you could be intimate with an actor, and now you're wearing a face mask and a shield. I think Oren, you and I talked about this a little bit when we bumped into each other almost every day at Cafecito Organico. And it's like the intimacy that you would have with an actor before is completely taken away. They're just like, what are you saying? What, wait, what was that note? You know, it, it really shifts the way that we do things now. And I just discovered for myself, like, as long as I'm working, it doesn't have to be anything big or flashy because none of that really matters anymore. You know, like we're all just sort of working. We all just are trying to get through it and make what we want with the people we want, at least for
1: me. That's so interesting that you're saying that because the, and it's similar to Carlin, your experience with South by, right? Like the glamour gets stripped away when it's a, a more, you know, online experience. Like you're still just, you know, in your pajamas. Watching a live stream, like the like everything, right? That maybe you kind of find that you're grounded in a sense of like, oh, what's really important is it being able to go to a red carpet, or is it to do the work that's really fascinating? That that talk about a silver lining, right? That's really great.
3: Yeah, I think um when we we talked about this, la- maybe it was I don't remember who I was talking to, but the de- you know I like to talk about deep work on this podcast in particular, <laughs> and then hilariously, it I. It really paid off for me this year and I was like, Oh shit, Deep Work worked. You know, I didn't <laughs> I had been like touting my process with blind faith that it would pay off. And um it did start to pay off this year. It's wild. I mean, on my feature, my the feature that I like, the one that's like a sex ed comedy that I it's based on a true story, the one I've been developing for a while, that – process slowed down a bit because like once covid hit we were like well what are we gonna do i think that we could have had it financed by now we meaning like me the producer and me and the producers and um instead covid made us think like okay well instead of going into studios and stuff we need to get an actor attached and then i made a lookbook. i made a lookbook in lockdown and then we went out and started going out to cast um but that whole process really was it's always fucking slow that hope that process is always slow but it felt even slower now and now we really like we we went out to a couple places and then and then got like maybe like a maybe and then a soft pass and so we were kind of like ah for financing but now we're like waiting until next year to really get financing because not many people are financing things at the moment features and tim probably
1: well it's it's hard to set dates right I I, I want to go back to let, let's talk about deep work all, for a little bit. And then all
3: night, I'm here I'm to talk about it.
1: Okay, so deep work, just just for, for clarification for people, it's like basically you turn off any sort of you, you shut out any sort of external uh, distractions and you say you do the the Pomodoro method, right? So you give yourself you deep work for twenty minutes and then take a break. Is that right or no?
3: Oh no, I deep work for like minimum an hour or two. I have to I have to do di- I have to disconnect for like a while.
1: And so, so, but this is part of your practice. This is the thing that you've been yeah. developing. Yeah. Did you find when the psychic, the cosmic energies of, you know, uh, what was happening politically, the issue of like the pandemic, there's a lot of like heavy stuff to deal with. Do you know what I mean? That I think incapacitated me for, I don't know how long, you know. did you find that having worked that muscle helped you work through that time or was it just kind of like a wash for you too?
3: It did. I mean, I had bad days like everyone else. Days where I read the news and cried or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I definitely had those days, but I think being able to unplug from the news and social media and all that stuff for a couple hours a day and just work on something creative, even if that was just like journaling for two hours, you know what I mean? Whatever it was allowed me some sort of creative solace. And like it wasn't like I did it every single day, but most days I was able to do it. And um now I feel like I have I've had the tools Cause I'm, cause I only said yes to adapting this feature to Netflix. I told my reps, I was like, okay, but I'm not going to quit directing. So like, can I write a movie and continue to direct commercials and stuff? And they're like, yeah, of course they would say that. <laughs> but I'm like, oh shit, like this is next year's going to be kind of intense for me. So I really like had to practice managing my time really well. And, and ideally for all of us and everyone listening, like as your career starts to take off more and more, you really, it would, it would be who of you to learn how to manage your time well and be productive. Right. So that's something I've been working on, and it's but do you
2: think, pang- Carlin, wild,
3: really? I mean,
2: to me, there's like a gigantic difference between working for some on something that has a deadline that you're getting paid for, and just developing your own stuff. Which you know, one is like seems relatively easy to me, and the other one is like nearly impossible.
3: Developing your own work, like
2: sitting down and working.
3: Well, I wrote on my. I wrote the script, like the sex ed script that was on spec before I got producers and production companies and now cast attached. So like I developed that and wrote many drafts before it even went out to get those people attached. And and, like I, I did have the luxury of having reps who I then said, this is my schedule for developing this and like you'll get a draft by then it never was that date. I always needed more time. But yeah, it is easier when someone is like paying you for sure. But but I think that as long as you're accountable to someone like a friend, a producer, a manager, it could be anyone, like email people and say, I will have you an outline by this date, or I will have you a draft by this date. So you're accountable. It is really, really right? hard
0: to feel your own fire, I guess, because I think um, the hardest thing for artists to achieve, man. Carly, my God, girl, you are disciplined.
3: You know what I mean? Like being able to. I am a maniac. I, I'm not fun to date. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell no, you. Sorry, <laughs> fun to date, I love being around you all the time. But
0: I think like every artist struggles to achieve their own form of flow. Your like, flow from an external, you know, like, like, for example, a company hiring you, it's like, okay, they have all these imposed deadlines from the external side. Like it's, not. Outside of you, right? And then for you, you're just like, Well, how do I get that flow going? Because it's like there's nothing else that's like validating or asking for it. And you're like, I just need to ask it of myself of the world. But that's really a block that I feel like is an imposter syndrome for all of us as creatives. You know what I mean? Like we just question ourselves whether or not people will care.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's that's a really interesting insight. And I think it can manifest in a lot of ways, right? Like that's how procrastination works too. Do you know what I mean? Because I think it can feel like a lot of other things, but I wonder at the root of it, if it is just imposter syndrome. That could also,
3: be. our culture does not, does it, it makes us feel like you have to make these big changes and leaps that happen quickly, but instead change usually happens like little by little by little by little by little. So if you show up to write for an hour a day, just or 30 minutes a day, whatever it is, like, if you just show up, I can, and I'm 32. And I'm, I like feel very lucky that I've had like the success that I have. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm like, I can't believe how lucky I've been, you know, but like, I've been showing up to do the work since I was 20 years old. You know what I mean? And like, it's just now, like I'm just now going to join the guild. I'm just now going to make like, that kind of money that you know we hope to make
1: well and i think it's important to to point out like we talk about oh you know you like in the bullet points you didn't say i wrote every single day or i wrote five days a week or whatever for two hours a day and and turned out pages you said oh no i got hired to do this thing right like the narrative that we're all telling is like, oh, these are the big benchmarks. But in order to get that benchmark, in order to sell the script or whatever it is, it takes that incremental work that you're talking about.
3: Yeah. For anything, right? Like losing weight or eating healthy or eating whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's like, but I really do think it's a tiny step-by-step process. It's not like, if you do anything in like huge chunks, it's not, it's likely not sustainable. You know, like you cannot write six hours a day for a month. It's just not sustainable. I mean, you can, but then like, that's not a way to build a lifelong career necessarily.
1: Writing full time isn't like sitting down at 9am and like typing and then, Oh, it's six o'clock and I'm done. And I wrote a million pages or whatever. And I was completely efficient and thoughtful the whole way through, you know, like, I think that the idea of like writing for a couple hours is probably sufficient. Right, it's probably what you need because it takes time to like actually go back and reread what you wrote and like think things through and spend the rest of the day living your life and doing all of the things that it takes to maintain a full-time writing career. You know, like there's a lot of other work that's done, right? And so uh, logging a couple hours, I think, is pretty important, basically. But like not expecting to overdo it and to be perfect and to write nonstop for an
2: entire work. I'm curious. It's unreal. So Matt, you wrote a script this year. Carlin, you wrote a script or two scripts. I don't know. Too many scripts. Uh, but you all have significant others that you live with. Do you need to somehow schedule your deep work writing time with that person, especially during COVID when they're literally in the house with you at all times? And they probably want to like, Move the laundry machine to the left a few inches because it'll look better in the laundry room or some stuff that I deal with I mean the problem with
1: you, Oren, is that Kara's right. I'm sure it did look better right
3: i agree <laughs> i'm I'm team Kara for yeah. sure
1: yeah
2: um so you so you do say like. Alex or, you know, like every morning I'm going to be writing from nine to noon. Don't bug me.
3: I actually, you know, we, yes. Well, yes, especially now that I have this Netflix show. I mean, I, again, like you all, I call myself a maniac and I, I am very disciplined and it's also taken, I've, I've, I've like worked up to this. It's not like I was always as disciplined, but, um, I always write in the morning. If, I, if it gets past a certain hour and you check your email and people can contact you like you're fucked. That's me. I mean, maybe I. I know people. I
1: agree with that, Carlin, but I do want to just throw out there. I lived like that for a long time, and then at a certain point, my lifestyle didn't facilitate it anymore. And I was like, well, now I can't get any writing done. You can.
3: you can you can at night mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah
3: like yeah like
1: sometimes it's just like sit down and even if you're not in the mood get it done
3: totally but like
1: ju- just because you didn't hit the keyboard at 6 30 in the morning as the sun's rising or whatever that doesn't mean your day is lost that's all i mean sorry
0: continue
3: that's totally true that's totally true everyone has their own methods but yeah i tell my girlfriend that well we i'm very lucky to have an office that helps for sure not everyone i feel very fortunate But um, I shut the door. And I also, if we're like having coffee and kind of chit chatting in the morning, I've taken to just setting a timer on my phone for like 15 minutes or whatever. And like, so (laughs) I know this sounds crazy. Time's up. Yes. And no matter where in the conversation we are. No no, matter where we are in the conversation, okay. Look, okay.
1: Look, it's a really good method. I love it, Carla. I love it, and it's also very funny.
3: So it is funny. So we'll kind of wrap up whatever we're saying, but then when the timer goes off, that's when it's time for me to get to work. So you can't really argue about time. I guess you're gonna have to wash these dishes. I was gonna be like, "Are you a Virgo?" Because you're so intense about your schedule. I know. I actually am a Virgo rising. It's not my. I know, I know, but I really it's it's it is funny because I have a lot of tools. People can email me about them. I really do have a lot of tools I like to use, and yes, putting a time around with my own loving partner. Thank God they're cool and they love me no matter how insane I am. Is uh, but I do good. think
2: this kind of hope I have about twenty twenty and the end of twenty twenty, and it's probably misguided. But I do feel like the the politics of the last few years have kind of been a very easy way to suck up my time and not do anything. And I'm hoping that now, you know, everything should be kind of boring again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think though, that maybe this year, one of the things that's taught us is that like, obviously we've always, we've always known that we have to be engaged, but I think it's especially clear this year. Right. Um, But that also we have to figure out a way to be successful creatives at the same time right like like they, to me 2020 has been about figuring out what your own balance is and maybe that's meditation and maybe that's setting a timer on a wonderful morning conversation <laughs> with you. okay
3: look everyone i don't appreciate <laughs> I'm,
1: the shade I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing very much i, I, kind of like, I
3: hear myself no, no, saying no, no. i'm like wow no, Carlin, listen, it, it works
1: for you i really genuinely like it and it's important to have boundaries <laughs>
3: Timer
0: on our conversation. I, I'm
1: laughing I because would never. of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Carl's like, guys, it's been really fun, but I... Uh, Every
3: I time figured. we do Just Shoot It, I, I I try to set boundaries. So these they're used to it. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah that is what I'm laughing at. I think it works. But, but, but to my point, though, right? Like, I think we're all talking about... Whether it's doing three hours or whatever that own personal thing is, I think that because we've been stuck at home, because we've been bombarded with all of this stuff we've had to reckon with, what works for us, right? To varying degrees of success. And that's going to be a thing that we all kind of have to journey through and figure out and it's going to evolve. But I'm curious to hear about with the the knowledge that we have, with the learning that we've all gained over this year, uh, what are we looking for in 2021? What what are we hoping for? What are we? What are our goals? How does that apply to maybe listeners at home who've had similar or dissimilar experiences? What is what does the filmmaking landscape look like for people?
0: Can I ask all of you a question because this has been on my mind, and I don't. I mean, you know, I don't really make. I, I love making indie films. I would love to make more, but like with the film festival landscape, I mean, or in and- Uh, you guys must have interviewed a lot of people working in that community like how do they feel about what's going to be happening next year and the future of film festivals because the whole part of validation is to not not for the glitz and glamour but to actually be visible after toiling and putting your heart in and credit cards for something that you care about so much yeah i mean unfortunately or not unfortunately
1: the show focuses much more on the filmmaker than the festival programmer or like the people behind the scenes. And so we don't have a great sense of what the future looks like. And I think that people are still trying to figure it out, frankly, you know, like.
2: I I think there's still, you know, we just had Jen McGowan on. We talked about festivals a little bit and she said kind of the thing that we all know, you know, there's basically five festivals that can like make your career pretty much, you know, at mainstream festivals, with a mainstream film. And I still think if you get into Sundance, even if there is no Sundance, but you have a Sundance Laurels and you send an email to someone, you're like, yeah, I just had a movie at Sundance. I think that will forever make a difference, you know, con, tiff, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think. Carlin,
1: when you say you had a, a, a short at South by last year, you don't say, well, but we didn't get to go to the screening.
3: Correct. <laughs> I don't say that. I just say, take it or leave it. I'm the big time now.
2: (laughs) Uh, No, but, you know, like we we just interviewed another director. I don't think this episode has come out yet. Kasim, who had like snuck into the Black Film Festival in Florida and, you know, met these.
1: It'll be out by the time this
2: airs. Okay. And met these filmmakers and managed to meet some actors that he ended up attaching to his movie that made his like. Like he started knocking over the dominoes by sneaking into a film festival, you know, that is not like one of those top five f- festivals that we all know about. And I think those stories that we've heard those a lot, like I met this person at Santa Barbara or Newport Beach or Florida, you know, I think the value in the networking of the festivals, I think is it's going to be a little while till we like regain that. But I do think... You know, we ha- there's a lot of networking online that didn't exist ten years ago. That it might replace it, or might be as valuable. And something-
1: I don't think it'll replace it, though. I actually, I thought that you were headed towards the conclusion that because it's there's we haven't found an adequate replacement for the festival experience. That as soon as we can, we will be back to it, and it'll change. You know, may- maybe it'll be. Like they'll do more live streaming and it'll be more inclusive in that, in that way. I hope that happens. But I think film festivals are like the exact distillation of everything I desperately miss about the before times. I, I miss meeting new people. I miss watching movies with people in movie theaters. I miss traveling. Like those, it's like all of those things combined. That's what film festivals represent.
0: And the goodie bags, don't forget the goodie bags. Being
2: treated like a celebrity, but then um, not being treated like a celebrity. (laughs) Hey, that's on you, buddy. Like, I'm happy to just meet another filmmaker. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess like one thing that this year is really, I've thought a lot about. And again, it's kind of related to like, like pivoting, basically realizing that like, we can't predict anything. We just don't know what's going to happen next year and the year after. And I've, I've hit a certain age recently, uh, and I have this family and all these things in my life, and it makes me wonder about the reliability of, like, a career as a director and a filmmaker. And the last few years, I've really worked primarily in commercials, even though I started, you know like a lot of other people making YouTube videos, narratives and features, all that stuff, web series. And I'm trying to figure out, and I think Roxy, you kind of touched on it as like how many indie films can you make? You know, I'm trying to figure out like what, what is the the long game here, you know? Like you could get like a Netflix movie script to write this year and then like Netflix, you know, goes out of business or something like next year. Like that's the thing that's been on my mind a lot and kind of for for next year- I do really think that like figuring out your brand and like why people will hire you and not just cause you did like three other Jeep commercials and this other Dua Lipa music video. Like what what makes you you that will create a career that's like sustainable? Because as I get older, you're no longer gonna like get jobs because you like are the cool new person, you know? And so that that's just been on my mind and how in 2021 I can do it. And I I've told some of you on this call, I think definitely Carlin and Matt, that like my film and TV management has like kind of come to me and said, "Orin, what's the deal? Like all you do is commercials that has like nothing to do with us. Like, are you gonna make something? Are you gonna make a short? Are you gonna write a script? Are you gonna do something that lets us help you? Or are you just gonna like, stay in commercials, which is fine? And I don't know, I, I guess I'm I'm looking at twenty twenty one and I really want to like be at least fifty percent not commercials and to try to move into something more sustainable, which I don't know what it is because it, I don't think it's indie film and I think TV is hard unless you are like defining yourself as as a voice that people want to hear in some way. So that's what I, I'm thinking about. There's no answer or like actionable plan, but that's the stuff that's on my mind. Well,
0: what do you want? What do you want that's not commercials? Like Spe- like what, what specifically is it that you
2: want? I mean, I would love to create a TV show and direct episodes of it and produce it. I, you know, I would love to direct a feature for a studio. Okay, okay.
0: Now, even more specific, what kind of a TV show? What genre? Who do you want I
2: to I mean, watch? I love VFX and I love comedy and I love uh, genre stuff. You know, I bought, there's shows that I love that I would, would love to do stuff like that. You know, like I just, you know, watch devs. Per uh, this guy Barack Obama recommended it so I finally checked it out and uh, it's like I used to be an engineer and I feel like I have that perspective and I you know when I watch those things that feel like so me I'm like oh like I I could have made this you know and yeah it's a, so I guess that, that something like that that has like a heightened reality but you know some sort of like mystery and emotional through line is I mean I know that's describing kind of like every hit show ever but that that stuff is exciting to me
0: no, Oren, what you just did there was you became very specific with what it is that you want to do outside of commercials, which is so important, you know, because usually it's like, well, how do I get there? The How do I get there is so broad and so intimidating because you're talking about like a whole... Experience outside of branding and ads and commercials, right? But I think when they're asking you, what is it that you want to do or what is it that we could help you look for? It's like, okay, I, I know that I'm good at this. I really want to explore this genre. Okay, even more specific, um, engineer, you know, I have a lot of information about this, you know, and I think something that has really helped me is I realize that like when someone starts to push me in a corner I say I kind of don't want to do this but I really want to do this you know and I say it to everyone I say it to this producer I'm currently shooting a show with I'm like yeah this is cool but like the next thing I want to do is something like this you know like like be very specific Asian American you know what I mean I, I don't want to do I want something like heartfelt drama guess what it's happening in February you know so it's like it's like I'm just like talking i don't shut up you know i don't put myself in a corner even though i want to because i don't know if i deserve it again imposter syndrome but it's like i realize the more i vocalize or speak out loud what it is that i want it somehow comes to me yeah
1: without a doubt and i think also roxy as you gain experience you can also say like oh i like this part of this job or this part of this film and i want to sprint towards that and there are other things that i don't love as much and i want to kind of leave those behind right like i think part of experience is you know kind of dialing in specifically
0: you are like so experienced you know what i mean you you've done so many shoots you know so many things you are so technical you are so brilliant and you're so creative you could think of stuff like on the spot and make up these decks and poop them out like crazy where it takes me a whole fucking week to do something it takes you like 30 seconds to do one you know what i mean So it's like, I don't want you to like, you know, because I think we we all have that within us. It's just about like, yes, clout is very important in this industry. So it's like once you're seen as something, but you don't want to stay in that. So it's all about shifting that and stating specifically what it is that you want to do to anybody who's asking or willing to lend an ear. It will plant something.
1: Yeah, I, I love that so much, Roxy. And I'm hoping that maybe 2020 has given us all a little bit more clarity on what it is we're trying to push towards, right? I think, I'm hoping that maybe that that time where we were feeling a little desperate or a little confused or just bored, you know, or or any combination therein, I'm hoping that maybe that helps you kind of, one, center themselves and, and say like, okay, well, in this time, you know, where we're lacking clarity, like maybe that, what's the thing that's sticking in your head? Like that's the thing to maybe push towards.
2: Now, I think that advice is like totally 100% right on the money. I do wonder though, I guess even what I've talked about my year in review is I pivoted a lot and tried out new things and worked on new skills. I mean, I, I do have this tendency to this kind of like ADD, like what's, what's the thing that's interesting to me this week. And I'm curious, Roxy, like when you tell people what you want to work on, does that ever happen to you? Do you say like heartfelt drama, but then also like horror, you know, with deaf people? Like, like, do you, do you have like multiple things that, that you're always kind of after?
0: Yeah. I think what's really great about us (laughs) I mean, just creative people in general is that you're always downloading and being inspired by everything around you. Right. So it's easy for you to get excited about something. But I think you have to think about what is the front burner ideas or things that you're thinking about, because it's so crazy. Sometimes I could just be like, yeah, like I'll be thinking about an idea to myself just for six months, just when I go to sleep. I'm like, oh, that'll be interesting. And then I start vocalizing it. Like literally I was on set. Um, for this last movie I was doing. And then I just started talking about this game show that I've been thinking about. And then um, I was like, here are all the elements, blah, blah, blah. And then literally that producer was so excited. He's like, let me, hold on, give me like three hours. I was off making stuff. And then three hours he came back. He's like, look, I put together like the the pitch package
1: for you. Maybe a theme that I'm hearing is that Roxy, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you are exceptionally good at vocalizing the thing you need and want right and it sounds like carlin and tim you two are both more interested in in writing that down essentially right like in creating the building the time for yourselves and like typing it up and figuring it out that way and i wonder if maybe um, for listeners at home that it's just there's not a one-size-fits-all solution right like some some people need to do it one way and some people need to do it another way
0: i I mean i'm a filmmaker who lives on collaborate like I, I, don't know how to write on my own. I don't. I just think having another you know, perspective that I respect and adore is so helpful to me. So I spend a lot of time thinking on my own, but it isn't until that I start talking about it with someone and I see how they react to the idea, whether or not it's going somewhere. Like, like one size does not fit all. And I think for for emerging filmmakers listening to this, where you're discovering your voice and discovering how you want to grow, like you have to find. What skills do you have and nurture that? Mine is
2: my voice. And it's going to evolve. It's going to change.
0: But nurture it. Recognize what it is first and start watering that, you know?
2: Well, are you guys, do you guys ever worry about like the sustainability of like being a director, like a full-time director, writer, director? I mean, I guess as a writer, it seems like there's a little more longevity. Well,
3: I think in uh, narrative, uh, there are more structures to, there are more sustainability structures in place. So like, yeah, when you join the writers' guild, when you join the directors' guild, like even I'm sort of like starting to get like my package. You're like, oh shit! Like there's like a whole package of benefits that you're like suddenly you're a part of, and um, yeah,
2: like a retirement accounts and things like that.
3: Right, which are things that like previously I've had to figure out on my own, you know. But this is hopefully just the beginning because if you have a career and narrative, then like they're. I think will be some form of form of residuals even through streaming, even though there's, we're still kind of figuring this out. But commercials, yeah, like I, you know, I do commercials too, and like yeah. you get a check. And in I, I and think that's you, it.
1: The, the we're still figuring this out thing kind of clarifies a part of the issue that we're all dealing with is that we're right in the middle kind of have been in the middle of this shift our entire careers where like a previous generation you know like they had pensions and and a system in place basically and now because of the shift to streaming and you know like the weakening of unions frankly and a lot of other issues that I probably don't have my head wrapped around i think that there are some bigger questions you know i used to joke when I was doing CBNT 5 and townies and stuff, like I joked, if it was 1996, I'd be fucking rich to shoot two seasons of television in a single year. And uh, that would have been impossible. Basically you can't shoot, you know, a network season is 26 episodes or whatever. What is back then? Like they, that would have been impossible. But my point is, is that like, because of things, things are shifting, they haven't really shaken out yet. And like, There's that meat grinder of just kind of cranking through young directors who are happy to do the work and maybe don't have the foresight to realize that they can't retire with this sort of system. You know, I think we're all just kind of trying to figure out what that solution is. And, And to your point, Oren, about like indie film, it used to be that if you made an Evil Dead or even, you know, a lot of smaller films where people were spending money on going to the movies... You could make your money back and then some and then have like make it a part of a library and continue to make money on cable, et cetera, et cetera. And so because royalties are a big question mark with the streamers and, and all of that, you know, I think it's just made things different, basically. And so we don't really have the answers to all of that stuff. So I think it's reasonable for us all to be like, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Right. Like, yeah,
2: well, we're kind of like
1: tech is the answer. I don't know.
2: Like Yeah. As a freelance uh, filmmaker, you're kind of part of the gig economy, you know, like there's not a huge difference between us and like an Uber driver, except for the Uber driver probably won't be discriminated against based on, you know, Their age and gender and all those things.
3: And we get paid a lot more. Like when you do get directing jobs, you do get paid more than I think. Right. But let's say, let's say you
2: got paid $10,000 for a job, right? You spent a month or two, whatever, how fighting for it, working on it, editing, you know, let's say you you fought for three jobs, you got one of them over the course of three months and you got $10,000, right? I'm
1: going to stop us right there, I think, actually, and say, like, I think the points are valid, but it is an apples and oranges comparison in terms of like, like to be a director is still a, a privileged position
2: you know well well, mean? no of, of course it's privileged i'm just saying from like a like financial stability point of view yeah as the uber driver you've managed you've done probably like hundreds of drives in that time you know what I, i'm not saying like obviously the money is is way different and stuff but once you are done with that gig and you've spent that money you're kind of it's starting you know you're in right, it, it's right. a gig thing unless you your
1: point is there's no consistency there's no yeah
2: and yeah. unless you join yeah. the union that kind of helps you and you're saving for retirement and you're doing all those those things
1: right. But which again the 2020 i think you can compare us to gig workers and that some some industries really blossomed and like there was a lot of gigs to be had and like there were others that were all halted entirely. You know, like if you were in construction, it wasn't such a bad year for you, probably. You know, and so of course it's going to cause us to be introspective. Of course that's going to ask us to think, like, okay, not only do what what do I really want, but what is sustainable? Or and you and I were talking beforehand before we started recording that we both kind of went back to our default, like what are, what are our basic skills, right? Like, or you're like really good at self-teaching. You're really good at software, you're really good at animation, you're really good at VFX. So that would became the thing that you immediately started like leaning into in a way that's significant. And I think that there's something telling about saying to yourself, Well, this is a thing that I'm really good at. Maybe that's a thing that I should explore more in twenty twenty one and how can I use that? Because I think that we're all expecting that twenty twenty one is going to be very different from a filmmaking perspective that people are really excited to get back to work. That everyone has been watching so much that all of a sudden there's gonna be a real drought in television, but viewership is going to be really high. Like there people want to watch more things. We're running out of content.
0: We're essential workers, that says something, right? <laughs> you know, I think as filmmakers, our practical and creative hustle are one in the same. So it's like we do a job, for instance, then we do a passion project, you know, but then For other people, it's like pursuing music and then like working a nine to five accountant for the day. And I think this pandemic was like, well, there's really no practical hustle or creative hustle, you know? And so I think it's like, I... I had a tarot business for about a couple of years now, but I really so took off
2: during the pandemic. Yeah, I love that. Like pandemic. it's kind of wild. It's crazy how you have time yeah. to do anything. But
0: then I had a podcast yeah.
2: also. So I started
0: that too. Or and I'm very di- my life's very different from yours. Like, how do I have time? Well, first of all, I don't have a family. I have a dog. Um, you know, I'm like single.
2: Didn't you also learn violin? and?
0: Um, yeah. I was already naturally very good at that. No, that's just the flex that I've always had.
2: Um, well, I guess Roxy more on the career end of things though. Do you feel like now, you know, you started off mostly as a producer, right? And you're directing a little bit more and more. And now you've kind of had a few years in a row where you're directing a series, directing a movie, another movie, another series, another thing, a branded thing. Do you feel like, like, I guess the dream, like to kind of build on the sustainable career thing is like, let's say you are, you know, like a Christopher Nolan or someone that's just so so successful as a director that they have more more job opportunities than they have time to do and they start saying yes and no to certain things like do you feel like you're uh, getting to a place like that where now you have off like multiple offers to turn down
0: yes it's so great I mean, Matt's been there since my beginning, so he's, like, seen me grow, like, from when I was helping him produce some branded content, and then... I think I'm very lucky. I have an incredible manager who, like, talks to me every day and is, like, my champion, and, like, I'm very sensitive of who I keep around me personally, you know? Like, I don't let... I, I I think it's important for me to foster just, like... People who are on the same vibration as you, people who want the same things as you, people who have the same value systems as you do. So I think I am a Capricorn, so I am very hardworking. When I'm doing one job, I'm thinking three jobs ahead. I'm thinking like three to five months ahead. What do I have lined up? What do I have soft holds for? Who's talking about me? You know what I mean? So in terms of sustainability, it's like it's never just about this one job. It's always about looking further, you know, because... No, I'm looking at at that. I'm at a point where I was just talking to my friend, like before I got on this call today with you guys, I was like, at a certain point. I'm like, I just don't want to do that. I mean, this project, yes, we could do a micro budget, but why are we doing a micro budget? Why are we not allowed to ask for more? Why can't we push for this actor? Why can't we? Whereas before I used to think, no, they won't see me. They won't listen to me. They wouldn't want me. Right. But now it's definitely shifted. Like as you get these opportunities and you take them and you freaking slay you know what I mean make everyone happy understand it's a product but you know I think another thing that we have to be very sensitive about is that even if it's a creative project especially if it's a creative project if you're hired for a narrative thing at the end it's a product so it's like you you can have your own you know whatever your feelings and like how you want to say things or you know how you want it creatively but at the end It's supposed to make sure that you get your next job. The relationships you cultivate during that time. Will they want to work with you again? How will you make them remember you? What makes you stand out? You know? And so it's like, yes, the way you see things, but it's also how you work with people and how you remain on their minds. And so next time they think about something, they're like, oh, I can't wait to work with that person again. Or like, I would love to hear what they think about this. You know, so it's really just about, you know, Whenever it's the job, not only do you do the job, but you have to think about nurturing your relationships and making sure those people also talk about you outside of
2: that. Cool. Well, I guess um, my, my final question, our final question is, given everything you've learned in 2020, looking on to 2021, is, do you have any advice for kind of newer filmmakers that are trying to enter the business if you were if you were just kind of starting out now, would your advice to new filmmakers be any different than it was at last year's New Year's end panel? I guess one thing that's on my mind is um one of the central questions of this podcast and I actually think the first time Carlin was on we pretty much talked solely about this is about whether you need to live in LA to work in the film industry and I think that's like one of the biggest things that's changed this year, because we would more or less say it makes things really easy. (laughs) If you live in LA, you know, it's, it gives you a big boost and you surround yourself with a million people that are working in this business. But now I don't know if that answer has evolved over this year.
1: Uh, So I I was going to be wishy-washy and optimistic at the same time. I think that we're going to see two very different things happen. I think that the traditional ability to run into people and network and connect with people and just go to coffee with them. The casualness about Los Angeles, I think will be really special. And I think we'll continue to see that. I think we'll see more remote working, which I think will make things easier for people who do want to live maybe further out or in a different marketplace. But I'm really excited to see what happens to independent producers and filmmakers living in different marketplaces that see the opportunity, the drought that we were talking about and can get scrappy and can kind of pull things together as a community, I think that we're going to see a lot of really exciting filmmaking coming out of smaller groups as we see, you know, uh, technologies become much more attainable. You can own an a seven S Mark three with a gimbal and make a, a, make a movie, you know, so I think that we're going to see a
2: real for rent, by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sharon, sugar.com slash o Kaplan or smitey pile. it's unclear. Um,
3: (laughs) Smitey (laughs) Pileg Just, how yeah, do you good spell luck. it? Just guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, a, it's just... a good
1: marketing plan. But oh, but Carlin, <laughs> I wanna I want hear what you were gonna say about
3: that. Um I just think it's a difficult question to ask because also the like quote unquote success that we've had in twenty twenty is based on relationships that we've made in LA over the past five to ten years. You, you know, so it's a little bit hard to parse out how that it's all gonna shake out, but I don't know. I, I still think if you want to work in Hollywood, if you want to make if you want to make TV shows and you work you want to work at a studio level, I do think the odds are in your favor to move to LA. I think we're, that's just. I, I mean, if you want to do independent films and you want to make commercials and you want to do other stuff, I think you can live elsewhere. But like, if you want to work in the studio system or in making narrative TV shows on big networks, I still think moving to LA and, and by is like
1: Fourth of July. This town is going to be popping. We are like.
2: Wait, from a vaccine point, from like a COVID, like you think we'll be. I think
1: I'm saying, or or, no, 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 no. I'm saying that like when we all are vaccinated and we all feel safe enough to like see each other, we are going to be at barbecues and we are going to be at concert venues. We are going to see each other. Monster truck uh, uh, rallies. a, A reciprocal amount for the amount of time that I have been at home. Like, I'm going to be out non-stop. Do you know what I mean? And I think people are really going to be really excited to see each other and to work and to create with each other and to interact with one another. And so I think once the vaccine drops, I think Los Angeles in particular is going to be really excited just to, like, be
0: with each other again. Culture's going to come back times 100. It's going to be roaring A quick personal
2: aside, 2.0. my dad got vaccinated yesterday. Whoa! He lives he lives in israel but the rest of our parents who are like a little on the fence on the vaccine uh i was like well if, okay my dad's going to be the first one that gets to come you know hang out with winter and see our new baby you know whenever that comes um and so that kind of got the skeptical parents <laughs> like a little more like well we don't want him to be the first one you know
1: you're saying you're That's using you're blackmailing tactic. people into getting the vaccine through familiar contact. He's not really black, I'm it's
2: more like um, reverse psychology or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Wait, when's your baby coming? When's your new baby coming?
2: He's due May 9th, but I don't know. The last one came a month early, so who knows? Uh,
1: let me recommend Matt is a great name.
2: Oh, we are <laughs> looking for baby names. Well, it's weird because there's some names that we really like, but we know, you know, other people that have those names and it's like, are they going to think we're naming our kid after them? But we're not. <laughs> <laughs> not that man. Not.
3: different. Man. Um Wow, well uh Wait, does Roxy think people need to move to LA? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, I,
0: I have a lot of friends who can't afford to live here anymore, move out, but they're still producing, they're still directing remotely. Like I've seen it happen. They're not happy because you're doing everything behind a screen and working with time differences. There's definitely is a drop there but all i can say is y'all like we're recording this like maybe eight days out of the new year and um we don't really know what to expect coming next year all we can think about is be grateful that we're here we're healthy or getting through life right and might as well just keep your eyes on the prize and keep asking for what you want because in a way like we've all sort of gotten what we wanted you know what i mean and um if there's any blockage in that, it's just because we have to continue to work on it or find out different ways of making sure we get there. Do
1: you two think or you three I know what orin thinks about this? What do you think about like moving to like outside of town but not like Joshua Tree?
2: Or like oh, hi Santa
1: Barbara. Oh hi. You know what I'm talking about? Like you know, you can you can buy a house in Joshua Tree for like 120 240 something great like, okay
3: hold on though climate change is real and it's happening i just think we're choose to live high high, so i barbara. think you need to consider okay. climate change santa Bar-
1: well santa barbara that's you've got the fires but but also los angeles you have to consider climate change like we're yeah. we're in the desert no matter
2: what and these earthquakes they're effing up my house
3: yeah you're right so maybe we all move to michigan but well,
2: that's a separate
1: David's question biz like like you know should you move to a, a place that maybe is more sustainable or has you know less earthquakes or fresh water or whatever yes that that's a separate question though i'm saying like from a from a telecommuting industry perspective do you feel like there's sense in that or no like do you need to live in los angeles proper or do you just need to be within reasonable commuting distance is i guess what i'm asking
3: What's the difference? Well, well, like if you're gonna live in Joshua Tree, you may as well live in some other state.
1: About six hundred thousand dollars is the difference. No, Robin.
2: no, but she's saying you can live in Austin, you know, or in sure. maybe not Austin, sure, sure, but sure, Dallas. The, the
1: difference is is that Joshua Tree is about a two hour drive, so I could take a meeting if I needed to.
2: I think I know you said you didn't want my opinion on this, but I think I've seen Roxy I, 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 three I've times. Heard your I've <laughs> seen Roxy three times during COVID.
0: And it was, like, in a row, too. Like, literally, day after day, at 9 o'clock in the morning, I would see orange.
2: Totally unplanned. And so that's the type of thing that doesn't happen if you live in Joshua Tree. And if that's if you are in L.A. for, like, the synergy, the accidental meetings, the running into people, like, how do we even know Carlin? You know, because Eric, who... We were at a director's party. Yeah. So... You know, now Eric and I, our kids are at the same school. Like, they're, that's, you lose all that stuff when you move.
1: I'd have to meet the, Carlin at an ayahuasca retreat instead.
3: Honestly, if I, in I will see you there <laughs> if I can schedule it, which I can't. Yeah. But Yeah, <laughs>
1: but no, point taken, though. Or, so your point is, like, the synergy is, is the thing, right? And that it's not just about being able to commute into town when you need to.
2: I think it's not about the meetings at CAA, you know? I think it's about the accidental things and people that you are run into and are surrounded by in LA that gives it value.
3: Yeah. And like, if you could not, this is maybe a separate conversation, but like, yes, buy an investment property in Joshua tree that you spend certain weeks at and then rent out the rest of the time, but keep your apartment. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. That's kind of like, I'm sort of, I mean, it really depends on the type of person you are.
0: I am somebody who's very sensitive to my environment. So it's like, I know that like I'm in a city, you know, like I know there are people around me that there's like so many different types of people in this condensed little area and that it's nasty and maybe a little dangerous, you know, but like I could walk out and go get something and like I'm into people and like, for me, community is everything, you know, like being with like-minded people, like-minded beliefs and like feeling safe, even though a um, stabbing just happened two days ago right outside my building. But it's cool. You know what I'm saying? But like, I'm talking like being safe on like it, another level. Yeah. So
2: and no one can connect you. the knife to you.
3: <laughs> That's right. That is such an orange joke.
1: Well, everyone, this has been such a treat. Fingers crossed that 2021 is even better than 2020. Odds are pretty good it's gonna be But you two have a great year So I think that uh, career-wise it's gonna be even better as well So I can't wait to see What you all bring to the silver and small screens
3: Ditto Hopefully right. the big screen That's right yeah, y'all too. Will
2: you guys stick around for some unpaid endorsements?
3: Yes Yes, because I actually have one this time It's good, okay Ooh.
1: All right, Carla, kick it off then
3: Unpaid endorsements Okay, so this is a simple request <laughs> or endorsement. Um just if you ever are feeling blue lately, I would I would recommend checking out Dionne Warwick's Twitter account. It is absolutely the most joyful, iconic thing. I love it. I love it. Every she day just came out of nowhere, she right? She came out of nowhere and she I wish I should I should have prepped some tweets for this. But she's so fucking funny and not trying to be and she's eight, literally eighty years old and is always talking about her niece, uh, Britanni or Brittany or something who runs her account. It's it's a, I, you just have to check it out. It it it's really quite incredible. It's really fun.
2: A lot of times she's like asking questions about twitter that i like secretly want to know the answer to but i've always been too embarrassed to ask
3: yeah it's it is like stream of consciousness uh, yeah like no filter sort of questions like what there's like a chance the rapper chance
2: her bio is i am not writing a bio
3: exactly and she's like chance the rapper why would you need to be called why did you put your your profession in your name don't we know should i be <laughs> Dion the singer you know and just just questions like that
1: it's great <laughs> Uh Roxy, what you got?
3: All right.
0: Well, um, all you know is that I've been in my witchy feels all year. Okay, so I was thinking yeah, about like yeah. when-
1: If it's not crystals, I'm going to be mad. it's not
0: crystals, actually. So I've actually been recommended this book called Ikigai. And um, it's sort of like the Japanese secret to a long and happy life because I've been stuck wondering if my career defines me as a person and just trying to separate myself away from it. So something very interesting here is that Ikigai is sort of like the raison d'etre, like for the French term, like the reason of being, our purpose, right? So it talks about combining passion, mission, profession, and vocation, and at the center of it is ikigai, which talks about like why people are unhappy or unfulfilled. And the reason why artists usually feel a lack is because they only could combine maybe passion or um, vocation, but like they don't know how to make money from it and they don't know what the mission statement is behind it, right?
1: So I'm curious about the difference between profession and vocation,
0: so actually. Vocation, what the world needs combined with what you could be paid for. Right? So profession is what you are good at and what you could be paid for, right? So like at the intersection, so it's like what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what you could be paid for. I've been all about this book because then you know, this conversation that we've been talking about flow, like Carlin's flow, her deep work, you know, like and us talking about being distracted. Like flow is like the the thing that everybody strives for, the lack of distraction, full concentration yoga or like being in something just a dialogue
1: either or spitting rhymes whatever you want
0: uh, spitting rhymes roxy raps because she knows how to tap that, 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 that uh, how, there uh, you go
1: that, that, that's some flow i can't nail the ending
3: guys my my endings inability. are endings are hard we've talked about this on the podcast endings are yes. very hard Finding the perfect third act um anyways guy if i love that i'm gonna get it yes read it oh my god carlin tell me if you read it we can i will we're gonna read it in this house it's ordered Was it like a
2: a book, like a Japanese book that's translated to English? No,
0: no, no. It's
3: Basically, it's Hector
0: Garcia and Francesca Morales. And basically, they go to Okinawa to uh, study the centurions, you know, the 100-year-old people that live there and are super happy and never die. And uh, the secret to long life is not hustle, surprisingly. There's no such thing as retirement, right? So it's like how – so like they don't retire. They just continue to work but they're, like, super joyful and super happy. So, like, they say that, like, what Freud says, the people, the meaning of life is, like, pleasure or something, and here it's actually about purpose. So, um, and so many people lack purpose. They're like, I want to be a filmmaker. Okay, but why? And it's, like, I don't know. I just, or I want to do something good for the world, but I don't know what, right? So, it's, like, even Orin, I think I was growing you earlier. I was like, cool, TV and like narrative, but what, you know, like specifically what? So I think it's just I <laughs>
1: wish listeners could have seen the glint in Roxy's eye during that line of inquisition. <laughs> It was the first time, I think, ever where I was like, oh, I wish this were a video podcast. <laughs> it was like a
0: genuine,
1: honest to goodness twinkle of like, oh. let me see. I'm let me
0: strip a Warren apart yeah. in front yeah. of yeah. everyone. <laughs> was great.
2: The was Inquisition great. was by show. <laughs> well, awesome. That sounds that great. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I will also order it.
0: Yes, order it. It's a quick read, two days.
2: So uh, one of our previous guests, her name is Melissa Hunter. She I don't know what the algorithm when I see her tweets or not or, or I don't see her tweets, but the tweets I do see, I really love. And it's because a lot of them do talk, um, do address a little bit the like sustainability of careers and things like she I remember last year or the year before it talked about, like, why doesn't anyone make a list of like 40 over 40? The people that got their big break in their 40s, like later in life, like I'd love to see that, like I I don't need to see the 20 you know, five, 25 year olds that are the new hit thing right now. Um, And so something she just tweeted yesterday, which is so awesome, is she said, are you feeling bummed that you're not on any of these top lists? Like tweet at me and I will tell you which list you're on. And people would just like tweet at her and then she would just say, just write compliments about them. You know, a lot of them she knew, but a lot of them she didn't. And she's like, you know, Carlin Hudson, you know, top 10 writers that you're good, your brain will be blasted by next year or something. You know, like, and it's just like so positive. And I just loved it. And um, I just, I, I love her Twitter feed, Melissa Hunter. Uh, and she also is uh, Adult Wednesday Adams if you're familiar with uh, with that character or that series.
1: And also uh, a writer on, on She-Hulk.
2: No, right around. She was on Santa Clara. Yeah. Di- I mean, she's a working TV writer and does, you know, is very funny and talented and also uh, an actor. But um, that's my first Twitter recommendation. My second one is this guy had no idea who he was. I just saw on Twitter. His name is John Zerny, Z-A-O-Z-I-R-N-Y. And I just saw that he posted like, okay, next hour, AMA on Twitter, just ask me anything. And I was like, who is this jerk? Just <laughs> who even wants to ask him questions? And I started kind of, you know, digging in. So he's a literary manager, a lit manager and head of Bellevue Productions. He produced Eli and Paramount's Infinite coming Memorial Day weekend, 2020. I guess he's a, a producer and a lit manager. And he gives really amazing advice to people that are writing scripts. I actually sent... Uh, matt one of his twitter threads because it was it was all about when you need a producer when you need a manager um like if you if it's your idea who should produce it how easily should you give up your idea for an opportunity and i thought his advice just rang really true and it was you know really realistic it's like hey if you have never done anything before and someone says Hey, I want to make this movie with you, and they're not offering you money. Don't like immediately dismiss them. Like, producers don't go around paying people millions of dollars to get their scripts. That's just not a thing. And so, if you're kind of new or even experienced in writing, feature writing, uh, this guy, John J O H N Z A O Z I R N Y, John Zhao just gives really good advice for people that are trying to sell movies in Hollywood.
1: That's a good one. Well, uh, just to kind of cap it off with one more killer Twitter thread. Uh, have you all seen writer Laura
2: Jackman's
1: thread on Breaking Television? I think uh, she posted it on December twenty second, so it hasn't made the rounds just yet. But it's got a one point three k likes at this point, two hundred twenty six retweets. It's you know, it's TV viral, I guess you would say. Anyway, what's important about it? Or what's interesting about it is that. Um, She kind of talks through an episode of Friday Night Lights, which is obviously like an older TV show, but was really great. And also you can stream for free on like Tubi and things like that. So it's accessible, which I think is valuable. Um, But she shows all of the different note cards and all of the different story beats on how that episode is broken down. She explains the color coding of how they're tracking you know, the different character storylines and like the main characters versus like how it's complementary to other characters, how all of those storylines fit fit into the overall theme of the episode. It's just like a really concise but clean way of talking about breaking story in television, all in one free Twitter feed with the, you know, a free episode of television to compare it with. So I thought it was like really great. What the heck is yeah, the
2: Twitter really, handle? I mean, there's so many large fragments.
1: Um, L-A-U-R-A, no space, J-A-C-Q-M-I-N.
2: Q-M-I-N? That is that.
1: No U, noticeably. That
2: is a uh She
1: wrote on Joe Exotic, uh, One Piece and Get Shorty, and also some video games. But uh, I thought that was a really uh, great little, little feed there. So... Um, I'm excited to follow and see what she tweets next. So a lot of Twitter and then a, a good old fashioned book. Uh, that's 2021 <laughs> in a nutshell. A little bit more it. We anymore, should all so. read more,
0: you guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, not you. Maybe you should read less. Look, Twitter is reading. Okay, yeah. Roxy. Uh, yeah.
0: Reading. <laughs> well,
2: uh, thanks everyone for such a
1: wonderful time. This episode drops on uh, New Year's Eve. So um, it was such a treat. Uh, we can't wait to have you all on again. Roxy will have. A single interview with you in 2021 yes! when your new show drops, nice. you already knew that you read it in the tarot yeah. <laughs> that's
3: how it yeah. works you're so terrible i wish
1: Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. i had that coming i oh had
3: boy. that coming y'all i gotta go
1: carlin before you go where can people find out more about you well
3: online um just in general no uh what's your I-
1: tiktok carlin
3: I would okay. never. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Instagram never is Carlin, C A R L Y N, Hudson, like the river. Just Carlin Hudson. And then uh, Twitter is at Hey Carlin, like hi. Like, Anyways, hey,
2: Carlin.
0: Like, hey uh, Carlin.
1: Roxy, where can people find out more about you? Okay.
0: Um, best way is Instagram, Instagram.com slash Roxy, she, R O X Y S H I H. Twitter, I just. I'm actually not that active on Twitter, so don't go there. If you want to book a private reading with me, send Queen Tarot on Instagram. <laughs> and then also my podcast, Two Horny Goats, at Two Horny Goats.
2: Has anyone ever booked the tarot reading with you and asked you for film advice?
0: You know what's so interesting is um, no one... I mean, very few people know that I do uh, entertainment.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's you kind of keep that. the two yeah.
0: separate. Yeah, yeah. I keep it separate, but then there is some cross-section, but it's always... It's interesting because then I started giving entertainment and then also like um, guides' advice. So then it's an interesting mix.
2: Where vocation um. meets profession.
0: All right. Well, happy new year, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Happy happy new new
1: year. Uh, happy. If you want to learn more about all the things that we talk about on the show, you can go to just shoot it pod. Um, Uh Follow us across all social media at justshootapod and me at
2: Mr. Matt Inlow. And email us at justshootapod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear you, your comments on Roxy and Carlin. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm Addo Kaplan. Uh, I'm on Twitter at smightypileg, but you can just type in Orin Kaplan and You'll find me that way. Wait, how do you smell in my Leg? S-M-I-T-E-Y-P-I-E-L-E-G. This episode was edited by Sarah Weirda. Our social media master is Derek Aiello, and our web mister is Ewan Williams. The music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the Artist are. and we will catch you next time. Hey, Thanks everyone. We'll see
1: everyone in 2021. Thank you.
0: Woo-hoo. Bye. Bye.